I'd like to thank this wonderful church family for allowing me to minister to you. Uh, I can also say that I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for this church family. So thank you guys so much. You have been such a blessing to me and you continue to be such a blessing to me. But above all, I'd like to give thanks to God because I definitely wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him. Without him, I'm nothing. Without him, life means nothing. Thank you so much, worship team. Thank you, Sister Aniston and those who helped her tonight. Did a wonderful job. Great job tonight. Wonderful worship. I'm going to take you to the book of Acts chapter 7 tonight, and we're going to be reading verses 29 through 32. Acts chapter 7, verses 29 through 32. And you guys will have to forgive me. I didn't come up with a fancy introduction like Brother Miller a lot of times has. He has some good ones. I have to ask him. I was like, man, where do you get your introductions at? They're good. And he's like, well, I either just look up online or talk about my weight. And I was like, man, I was like, you got to give me some. I don't, I don't have any good introductions. All mine are just, just lame. But I give honor to him tonight. Thank you, Brother Miller. He, he has helped he has helped mold me and shape me into who God is intending for me to be. And so I give honor to him tonight. We have the best youth pastor there is on the face of the earth and the best youth president there is on the face of the earth. Thank you so much, Brother Miller. But Acts chapter 7, verses 29 through 32 says this, Then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. And when 40 years was expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord and a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight. And as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham. Everybody say the God of Abraham. And the God of Isaac. Everybody say the God of Isaac. And the God of Jacob. Everybody say the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold it. And if you would allow me for just a few minutes here tonight, don't worry, Jasper, I'm not going to go over an hour. Ja Jasper came up to me before service and he asked me, how long are you going to preach? I was like, I don't know, maybe two hours. He's like, what? He, and then Chayton said, everybody around here only preaches 30 to 45 minutes. So I'm thankful to have some young men that are keeping me in line and know how long I need to preach. Thank you so much. Uh, but if you would allow me here for the next few minutes, I'd like to talk to you here on this subject. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and you. Everybody say, he's my God. If you would, lay your Bibles down and let's go before the Lord in prayer over this service. God, we love you. God, we thank you so much for your presence, God, that you've allowed us to experience tonight. God, thank you for your power. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, we ask you to come meet us here tonight. Lord, anoint every heart, every mind, every spirit and ear to hear, to receive, and to respond to your word. And God, anoint my spirit and my mouth to relay the message that you've put in my spirit, God. Lord, we ask you to move. We ask you to minister. We're believing you for a mighty work. Lord, come meet us tonight. Come minister to us tonight. And Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. And you may be seated if you clap your hands while you sit down. While I was preparing for tonight, I uh, had to get away from home because I, I have two little sisters who like to be noisy. 
So I had to I had to get away from home. So I went on a little drive today, and I just I just began to ask God, God, what do you have for this church tonight? What do you have for this church in this season? And I feel like He gave me a very direct word for certain people in this building. I'm not going to say I know who you are, or where you come from, or what you've done. But there's three categories that I'm going to talk about tonight that can range from three different categories of people. And I feel that it's very specific. I was going to preach something on, on compassion, and we must have compassion. But God kind of changed my gears and flipped me over to this. But in our scripture text, we read about Moses. Moses' encounter with this fiery bush. And we see that the voice of the Lord comes out to him and says, I'm the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And then after this encounter happens, God would then commission Moses to go and be a part of delivering Israel from Egypt. You see, I I often wonder, God, why did you introduce yourself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? You see, I've talked about it before and said that he, he was letting Moses know that no matter where you are, I am the God from the beginning to the end. And can I say that, yes, that is true. Our God is the Alpha and the Omega. Our God is the beginning and the end. But as I was getting this sermon together, I felt a little unction in my spirit. And I began to deep dive into Moses' life. What kind of God did Moses need? Why why was God explaining himself in this way? We got to look at where Moses just came from. Moses just came out of Egypt. Well, 40 years ago, he came out of Egypt where he killed a man. Where this baby was the promised baby to deliver Israel from Egyptian bondage. So, yes... He was a promised baby. He had sinned in this land. He had killed a man. So what exactly did Moses need? Why did he need the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? Why didn't he just need I'm God? You see, it's in Moses' life that he needed three things in his life. He needed to know that God was a God of the faithful because we read about Abraham and we read about the faithfulness of Abraham and we understand that our God is a God of the faithful. Moses needed faithfulness in his spirit to complete the task that God designed for him to complete. What else did Moses need in this commission? He's the God of Isaac. God is our God. God is a God of promises. God would use Moses to fulfill his promise of delivering Egypt, of delivering Israel from Egypt as it's recorded in Genesis. Last of all, what did Moses need? Moses needed the God of Jacob. He needed the God of redemption. He needed a God who would never give up on him, no matter what mistakes he made. Therefore, Moses needed the God of Abraham. He needed the God of the faithful. He needed the God of Isaac. He needed the God of his promises. And he needed the God of Jacob. He needed the God of redemption. And so here tonight, I want to break these three down to us and explain kind of what I feel the Lord was unctioning Moses in, 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 in Exodus. Abraham, the God of the faithful. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless him that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. 
So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Nothing else but a word. No evidence, no signs, just a word. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of Haran. Abraham, living in a polytheistic culture, the land of Haran, was called by God at the age of 75 to leave everything that he knew for a promise that he would never see. One encounter with God, and Abraham was so persuaded that he would follow God anywhere. My what faithfulness. My what faith. It didn't take God showing him these grand signs and these grand wonders. It was one word from God, and Abraham was so persuaded that he would do anything and go anywhere that God would call him. A man who was just called, but a man who wanted to be faithful. And let me pause to interject this. God wasn't worried about who Abraham was, where he came from, what he had done. What was so compelling about Abraham was the fact that he was faithful. It wasn't the fact that he was living in sin and in bondage. It wasn't the fact that he was living the wrong way. What was so compelling about Abraham was that he wanted to be faithful. He was willing to follow God anywhere and everywhere, no matter the circumstance or the season. And that's what I preach to you tonight. That our God is a God of the faithful. As long as this man Abraham would be faithful, God would lead and guide his every step. He would show him wonders he had never seen and fulfill promises that were unimaginable. Abraham, not worrying about seeing with his eyes if everything was going to work out, said, God, you know, I know you spoke a word to me, but you know that's enough for me. Come on, I wonder how many of you... Is the word of God enough for you? He doesn't have to show me any grand signs. He doesn't have to show me any grand wonders. His word is wonderful enough. His word is powerful enough. He doesn't have to show me a sign again. But if I have his word, I can live right. I can live holy. All he needed was a word from God and he was gone. He didn't need God. Well, I'll go if he showed me this. I'll go if he showed me that. He said no. I heard your word, so God, I'm moving. I'm going forward because, God, I'm going to be faithful to your word. And we see that Abraham, although he was a faithful man, I'm sure all of us can agree that Abraham was faithful. He's a father of the faithful. He wasn't always perfect. We read in Genesis chapter 16 that Abraham would commit adultery with his wife's handmaiden just so he could have the son that God had promised him. He tried to take matters into his own hands, but that wasn't the plan God had for him. He made a mistake. He slipped up. He did the wrong thing. And even though he made a mistake, it didn't stop Abraham from taking responsibility, getting back on his feet, and just being faithful one more. And I'll pause here for just a moment. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. It's not too late just to pick yourself up and let God lead you another step and be faithful once more because faithfulness is not determined on how many mistakes you've made. Faithfulness determines when I fall, am I going to get back up? If I fall, am I going to get back up and be faithful? Faithful one more day. Faithfulness is one day at a time. Hallelujah. 
Yes, Abraham messed up, but he kept being faithful. No matter how many times he messed up, he kept being faithful. Yes, Abraham didn't always understand what was going on. He didn't always know what was happening, but he kept being faithful. And because of this faithfulness, we read in Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 7, even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Because he just kept being faithful in spite of tough times and trying seasons, he changed the course of generations to come. For we are a generation under grace. We are children of Abraham, not Moses. We don't live under the law. We live under grace. So therefore, Abraham, being the faithful man he was, changed the course and the outcome for generations to come. But it all started with a man who realized that our God is a God of the faithful. Didn't matter where, what he had done, didn't matter where he had been. He understood that if I follow this God, this God's got something different than none of the other gods we're serving in this country have. This God's got something worth following. And may I tell you that there's people in this world who know not our God and don't believe what we believe and need what we need and must have what we have. And it's our obligation to go and to show them that our God is a God worth being faithful to. He's a God worth following. He's a God that will never leave you. He's a God that will never forsake you. That's the God that we serve. Our God is a God of the faithful. He's the God of Isaac. Our God is a God of his promises. Isaac, the same seed we read about in Genesis 12, when Abraham was called, God told him, I will make your seed as numerous as the stars and in the greatest hand on the sea. This, this is where it would begin. It would begin with Isaac. When Abraham is first called, this is supposed to be the son that Abraham and Sarah would have. But we read in Genesis 16 that she was not bearing Abraham any children, so he committed adultery, as we read earlier. Abraham, after being given a promise by God for his son years and years ago, finally convinced himself that, you know, God, he may not be the God of his promises. You know, God may not fulfill his promises like I thought he would. His, his promises must not be yea and amen because they aren't coming to pass in the time that I think they're coming to pass. My God, you, God, you must not fulfill your promises because, God, it should have came to pass here according to me, but it hasn't happened yet. But what Abraham had to learn the hard way was that God's timing is not our timing. But God will always keep his promises. His word will never fall short. And when we get to Genesis 18, where God would have a conversation with Abraham to reassure him that the promise of a seed will still be kept, Sarah overheard him and began to laugh. And in Genesis 18, it says, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have a surety bear a child which am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah laughing because a promise that was given years ago still had not come to pass. And being now persuaded that God doesn't keep his promises is now met with the explanation of why it hasn't happened yet. 
God, you spoke to me. You spoke to us years and years ago. God, you gave us this promise. God, you said this was going to happen. You said this was going to take place, but it hasn't happened yet. Why? So God came and told her why. The time of life had not come yet. And I know it may seem so simple, but in our terms, God's timing had not been accomplished yet. God's timing had not been worked out yet. So Sarah's now met with the explanation because the time of life, the time of fulfillment had not come. And then Sarah finally realized, you know, Abraham, we can't do this on our own. We can't make this child on our own. We need the help of God. And that's when God moved, when they understood that the only way this promise is going to come to pass is if we lean on God. The only way this is going to happen is if we lean on God. Saint of God, let me tell you, the best thing that you can do when times are hard, when promise promises aren't being fulfilled is lean on his word because my his word says heaven and earth shall pass away but guess what his word shall not pass away there's not one word of his that'll fall to the ground or return voice so don't be discouraged don't be without hope because our God is a God of his promises he's a God of Jacob our God's a God of redemption We get to Genesis 25 and we begin the story of Jacob. Jacob's name meant supplanter and that is exactly who he is and what he does. As we read in Genesis 25, he would convince Esau, his older brother, to sell his birthright. And then again in Genesis 27, he would trick Isaac, his father, into giving him the blessing that rightfully belonged to his brother. After doing this, he he infuriated his brother and was now on the run. So he decides to go to his uncle Laban's house where he would work seven years for his wife. And at the end of this time, he would find out that his brother is on his way with 400 men. doesn't say exactly what the scenario is with his brother. It just says that he's on the way with 400 men. In Jacob's mind, he thought, well, he's coming to kill me. He's coming to take his revenge on me. So Jacob, with all of his family belongings with him, becomes afraid and does the only thing he knows how to do. He tries to outrun his sin. He said, you know, I I sinned that once and I thought I got away from it. I I just thought that I could bury it in the past. I I thought that I could get rid of it. I didn't think that I had to be named as serpenter anymore. I thought that I could leave that behind, just start a new life. But it was finally catching back up with him. And he would send everything he had over Jabbok and over the brook. And here Jacob would find himself alone. And this is what I want to point out in this story. Genesis chapter 32 verses 24 through 28. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? He said, my name is Jacob. My name's Surplanter. Here's what all I've done wrong. Here's what all I'm defined by. Here's all the mistakes that I'm defined by. And he lists all the categories of why he's not worthy of a blessing. I'm Jacob. And he said... Thy name shall be no more called Jacob, 
but Israel, for as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. We see this moment of redemption in the life of Jacob. We will read that at the end of the chapter, he would be reunited with his brother in loving arms. Esau had every right to destroy Jacob, but Jacob was no longer Jacob. He was Israel because... He was no longer defined by his past, no longer defined by the mistakes mistakes he made because our God is a God of redemption. I said it earlier, it doesn't matter where you've gone, doesn't matter what you've done. You're not too far from the hand of God. You're not too far for God to reach you. God's waiting on you, just like the father and the prodigal son to come back home because he's here with wide open arms at an altar. See, I love that story because the prodigal son finally had enough of his sinful life. And he said, well, maybe if I go back, he'll take me as a servant. And maybe I can work because working as a servant is much better than living this life of sin that I'm living in. But when he came back, he, he met not a servant's coat, but he met a feast. He met a fatted calf. He met a ring. He met a robe. He didn't meet condemnation. He met conviction. He met love. Sister Lorianne taught on it this morning. Our God is not a God of condemnation. He is a God of conviction. Condemnation drives you away from God. Condemnation drives you to God. Condemnation drives you from an altar. Consecration drives you to an altar. Conviction drives you to an altar. Our God's not a God of condemnation. If our God was a God of condemnation, we'd all be lost. We'd all be gone. I'm so thankful that my God loved me enough to robe himself in flesh, to come to redeem me, even though I wasn't worthy, even though I wasn't worthy of any of his love, I wasn't worthy of any of his grace and his mercy. But I'm so thankful that we serve a God today who is a God of redemption, who saw you where you were, who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous night, not the world's light, but his light. And every time... I think about a God of redemption. My mind is instantly flooded back to my grandpa. And I have liberty to share everything that he's told me to share. So I don't think I'm getting too personal. But that, I, I, love, I love him. He, he is a prime example of the mercy and the redemption and the grace of God. He was a drug dealer, a drug addict, a drunkard, in and out of prison. Went to prison. I'll talk about that here in a moment. Went to prison. But in the midst of it all, God said, I don't define you by what you've done. I don't define you by who you've been. I define you by who you can be. And I don't know why I'm stuck on this, but let me tell you today, God doesn't define us by mistakes. God defines us by our destiny. God doesn't look and see who you were and who you are and said, you know what, I'm just going to give up on them because they keep giving up on me time and time and time again. No, God has a hand of mercy and he's reaching for someone today saying, if you'll just come to me, if you'll take a hold of my hand, I'll pull you out of where you are. I'll pull you out of the pit of sin you're in, out of the devastation you're in, out of the hurt, out of the anguish, and I'll give you joy. I'll give you peace. I'll give you something worth living for. 
Our God is the God of Abraham. He's the God of the faithful. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of his promises. And he's the God of Jacob. He's the God of redemption. And let me tell you, the same very God that is all these things is the same God that's in this room tonight. And he's your God. He's nobody else. He's your God. He's everybody's God. Let me tell you that. The God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob is in this room tonight. And he's looking for a saint of God. He's looking for somebody to come to an altar and say, God, you know what? I don't have all the answers. God, I don't know what I'm doing on my own. But in you, God, I know everything. I have everything. And I'm coming quickly to look close at the musical come. Our God is the God of Abraham. He's the God of the faithful. If he'll be faithful in everything that you do, he'll bless you. Even when you don't know how everything's going to work out. I'll say that again. Even when you don't know how everything's going to work out. Even when you don't know the plan to what's going on. Even when you don't know what God's doing. You can trust and rest assured that if I'm faithful long enough, God will bring me through. God will deliver me. And I go back to my, to my grandpa and I get him to tell me this story almost every time we're together because I love it so much. It doesn't matter where you are, you can be faithful. It doesn't matter what season you're in, you can be faithful. My, I call him Papa, so I'm probably going to say that a lot, so sorry. My Papa was in prison. And my, my grandma, I call her Honey. See, you're probably going to hear Honey a couple times, I'm sorry. But Honey came to him one came to visit him one day to let him know, hey, we don't have enough money to pay our tithes and pay the bills. I don't think we can pay tithes this time. And he said, Helen, pay the tithes. He said, pay the tithes. She's like, well, that's easy for you to say. You're in here. You're not out there having to work for the family. You're not out there having to do anything. He said, pay the tithes. She said, Dwayne, I, I just can't do that. I, we have the kids to provide for. We have to meet and make these bills. We don't have groceries at home. We can barely make the bills as it is. And you're asking me to pay tithes? Again, he said, pay the tithes. She left in frustration and said, I don't know if I can do it. And she left. And he would tell me as he, he would kneel down in his shell cell. And he would pray to God. He said, God, please let her pay the tithes. God, if nothing else, I know you're going to take care of my family. I, I know I'm not there for my family like I should be. But God, I know you'll take care of them. God, I know you'll lead them. God, I know you'll guide them. And so he prays and prays and prays. And the Sunday coming up, she paid the tithes. Didn't have anything to cover groceries. Didn't have anything to cover the other, the bills that were coming in. She paid her tithes. I can't remember what day it was that week, but one day that week, she got a knock on the door from Brother Erickson, their pastor. With a truck full of groceries, with a check, with everything they needed to get by. 
All because she was faithful in giving her tithes. They weren't in the right spot. They weren't in the most convenient spot. They didn't have to do it, but they said, you know what, God? I'm going to choose to be faithful because it doesn't matter what season I'm in. You're worthy of my faithfulness. You've been too good to me, God. How shall I tell if we could all stand tonight? God's worthy of every ounce of faithfulness that we have to give. God's worthy of everything that we have to give to him. I can remember count stories, and I won't tell too many or I'll be here too long. And you've heard it from Brother Robbins. My mama, my papa and Brother Robbins' mom. Night after night after night after night in her, in her bedroom. God save my boys. God save my boys. It wasn't just this little quiet prayer. It wasn't just this little feeble prayer. Let me tell you, this lady was feeble. She was as feeble as they come. But let me tell you, the prayer that came out of that woman was stronger than anything I've ever seen in my life. And let me tell you this. She sat there night after night. God, save my boys. I know I'm not seeing it yet, but I'm believing you for it. God, you spoke to me. You're going to save them. God, I know I'm not seeing it yet, but I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep fasting. I'm going to keep believing you for it because you're the God of my faithfulness. You're the God of your promises, and you're the God of redemption. And you all know how that story ended up. Both sons are pastors. All of her sons, all of her children have the Holy Ghost. She has children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren in, in church. I'm a product. All because she was faithful when she didn't have to be, when it wasn't the most convenient. Let me tell you, saying of God, faithfulness will not always be convenient, but it will always be worth it. It'll always be worth it. It doesn't matter where you found yourself. It doesn't matter what season you found yourself in. God is a God of your faithfulness. He will honor your faithfulness. He will bless your faithfulness. Our God's a God of Isaac. He's a God of the promises. Even if it feels like he'll never fulfill his promise, keep believing. Because his promises are yea and amen. He's a God of his promises. If God's spoken a promise to you here tonight, let me give you a word of encouragement. He's still the God of his promises. He still knows every word that he ever spoken. If he knows every hair that's on your head, don't you believe he knows every word he's ever spoken to you? And let me tell you, he's heard every prayer you've ever prayed over your lost loved ones, over your children, over your family, over your finances. But God says, if you'll be faithful and trust my word, I'll lead you through everything you'll need to get through. I'll guide you through everything you'll need to get through. You may not understand it at times. You may not know what I'm doing, but I know what's best for you. And he's the God of Jacob. He's the God of redemption. doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. God knows you. God loves you. God sees you. A few years ago, I was taught to look at it like this. Think of the worst part of yourself. I was told to close my eyes and to think of the worst part of myself. And I said, okay. And they told me, that's what God died for. He didn't die for the part that was all together. He didn't die for everything that was all together. He didn't die for the perfect you because there is no perfect me. I'm broken. He died for that. 
It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what season you find yourself in. God is in this place reaching for you, wanting to give strength, wanting to give hope, wanting to give joy, wanting to restore faith and build peace. Come on, can we lift our hands right now? Come on, I wonder if there's some tired saints of God in this place who need some strength tonight. But I wonder if there's those of you in this place who've been given promises by God but haven't seen them fulfilled yet and you need some reassurance. God wants to give you some reassurance tonight. God wants to give you some strength tonight. If you found yourself living in sin, God's here tonight. One altar call can change your life. One moment with the Creator can change your life. One moment with the Redeemer can change your life. These altars are open. There's a God in this place who's reaching for every individual in this house. Nobody's excluded. Everybody's included. Oh, God sees exactly where you are, young person. God sees exactly where you are, saint of God. And he's come to give you reassurance. He's come to give you joy. He's come to give you peace.